Welcome to Conversations Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Sayo Nickerson. We hope that you will join Brandon, Victoria, and I as we aim to make sense of the past, age-old mysteries, and historical figures through mediumship, where we chat with beings or spirits on the other side who have a story to tell. We never know where it's going to go, and we hope that you will come along for the ride. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Conversations Beyond the Veil. And uh, we had an interview with Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, the famous playwright. And is there anybody more famous than Shakespeare when it comes to literature? Or maybe not, right? He's the guy. Yeah, Brandon, what did you think of this? What any thoughts? It surprised Shakespeare? me because I didn't think we'd get as much information as we got. And we got a ton of information and a lot of what Victoria said, actually we look it up later and it's true. So it's really cool about that. Yeah, it's really personal. You know, sometimes with, with these readings, I mean, you never know what, what they want to talk about. Sometimes it's just like impressions of this or that. But we actually got a lot of information about his private life. So Shakespeare lived a really long time ago in the late 1500s and early 1600s. So that's like, what's that, 500 years ago, <laughs> 400 years ago. So even though a lot of his works survive, I think all of them do, but there's not a whole lot about his life. And so it was super interesting to learn about his personal relationships with his wife and family and just living on his own in, in London and what that was like. What else did we talk about? That? Well, his retirement and certain events that may or may not have caused his retirement. So there's certain uh, stories in history that say, he retired because of this, and then certain stories in his say he retired because of this, and then through Victoria we kind of got a glimpse oh. of what really happened. So we answered some mysteries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, it was, and, and at one point, um, and this sometimes happens when you go off track, but Victoria says, who's Thomas? And I wasn't completely sure, and I said, well, I think it's the husband of the second daughter. And in fact, that was his name. And a day after Shakespeare died, it came out that Thomas had had a child out of wedlock with this other woman who died. Um, and it was a big scandal. And I think back then, like that kind of thing was really not okay. I had no idea. And he had to do some community service and it would have been a really big deal and, and a source of shame for the family. So I wish that we'd sort of circled back and been like, tell us about Thomas, even though we're not sure who it is. Why is he bringing up that name? Because I would have been curious to hear about that. That was something to kind of remember for next time. And also to just go with what Victoria says. And what else was there? Oh, there's also a big discussion about, uh, what's his name? Um, not Charles I, but James, James I. King James I, yeah. So um, Shakespeare was a contemporary of Queen Elizabeth I. And then her successor was King James I. And then there's some talk about Shakespeare having contributed to writing the King, King James, James Bible. Bible. Um, but we did find out he was a Protestant king because we were discussing that. We weren't sure because his mother was Mary, Queen of Scots, and she was Catholic. But it turns out that he was a Protestant and then was, but was expected to be a bit kinder towards Catholics because of his mother. But all in all, I really loved that episode. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was just... He gave Victoria and I, who are both aspiring writers, um, advice as well. Yeah. I 
this is neat. And it was really neat because we don't have much information about any provided a lot. So that was cool. So sometimes we're wondering if maybe it's not better to just have no information and then just see what comes up versus knowing certain things and asking questions about those things, which maybe leads too much to leading, leading the conversation. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, we hope that you really enjoy this episode. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome everyone to this week's episode. We're so excited because we are going to talk with William Shakespeare. And I forgot to start recording this earlier, so we had a few tidbits and then it dawned on me. So we're going to start all over again. Um, but what we had said was that, you know, there's not a lot of known history about William Shakespeare beyond certain things found in like, you know, church records and things like that, like when he was married and when he died and when his children were born. But uh, yeah, there's just a lot that we don't know about his personality and what he did prior to becoming, you know, the world's most famous playwright. Um, yeah, so that's why we're really excited to see where this takes <clears throat> us today. And we're going to invite in William Shakespeare. And Vic, I think, say what you were saying. Yeah. So it's feeling like it would take a while to make a connection. There's something about him that's not... He's here, like his energy is here. He's just not revealing himself. So he's showing me like a place and he's kind of setting the scene. Maybe that's like... He would, <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Like he would write a play. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but he's not coming forward as himself. But whatever place this is it feels like you know hardwood floor creaky um somewhere you would imagine someone would write I mean I would find it an appealing place to write for myself I even feel like this could be somewhere that's by water it would be like a river or a stream or something um it feels like quite a private residence he feels actually like a private person. I, I, I mean, maybe that makes sense why we don't know so much about him. But there's a sense that he's private. But he's not, it's not like other people we've connected to on this podcast, where they really don't want to come through and they're nervous. He doesn't feel nervous at all or like trying to hide anything. He is just used to being private. And I'm hoping we can still get some good information out of him. I'm really hoping he's not going to start trying to talk in riddles or even through his imagery make things confusing or an iambic pentameter yeah because even when you read his work you know we don't speak that version of english anymore so it's like you have to really pick it apart and you don't actually know if you know the true meaning of what you're reading you can ask him to come through as <clears throat> just the human the person yeah yeah, I'll just ask him that he makes it as clear as possible for us. First thing I want to say is it doesn't feel like he um, kept much company in terms of people in his life. Again, private. Spent a lot of time on his own. Even when married with a child, it, it feels like he needed a lot of space to himself so he could write. I feel like just go ahead and ask some questions because I don't even know where to go with him. Okay. One thing that's known about him is that he went to primary school until age 13. From age 13 to 18, that's another kind of blank years that we don't know what's going on with his life. 
Um, can he explain to us what was happening during that time? Without telling me, do you know much about his family, like his parents? I don't know. They were fairly wealthy. Okay, I'm just getting the feeling like the word displaced. So it feels a little bit like something home-wise may have shifted in those years. Yeah. Like whether they went somewhere else or he went somewhere else. His father, I think, had to change his business because he was caught illegally trading wool. (laughs) (laughs) What a crime. (laughs) But it, it brought financial ruin to the family for a short while. Okay. Okay, because I'm feeling there's a change. Um, my first instinct was like, oh, was he sent to live with somebody else? Which he could have been maybe if things weren't good. But definitely a pivotal time where things in family life shift, so that would fit that. And I think really nobody really knows, so whatever you pick up is probably going to be more accurate. Okay. I had a question about... Um, that the the creaky place by the water. So is this like a small apartment? Or was it like, because the Globe Theater that he built with some of his friends was on the banks of the Thames. Mm-hmm. My feeling is that it's not the Globe. It feels like somewhere private where he would have done his work. Not so it's smaller than the Globe. Is it upstairs? My initial feeling was that it was ground floor. I don't know if there, there might be a second floor, but... I don't believe that it's the globe because it's the the water I'm seeing isn't like that big of a river. Hmm. Well, it makes sense that he wouldn't be too far away from there since they're probably performing all the time. So maybe. But that's in London. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying not in London? Yeah. Ah. Maybe Stratford upon Avon. Maybe. Maybe it's that little river. Is there a river there? Yeah. Okay. Avon. Oh. <laughs> um, shame to my country. Okay, I guess a question I would have would be, um, you know, something that there's a lot of speculation about is his relationship with his wife, Anne Hathaway. Um, what can you tell us about that? Or what's he willing to share with us about that? Okay. I feel that something about it was tumultuous. So... It feels like she would have had um, mood swings or some kind of emotional... He found her emotions difficult to deal with. I don't necessarily believe that's because she had some kind of mental illness or hysteria or whatever they would have called it. I feel like he's actually probably quite a selfish person and she wanted more and his main priority was work and writing. But there's... Hold on, there's more. Okay, the phrase that's coming to me is like, it feels like a very tortured love affair. There's a lot of, in my heart, like tugging at the heart, just very intense feelings from the both of them. And I sense that she feels most of it. So it's quite difficult for her to move through those emotions. And she's she's quite vocal with it. And I feel like it kind of makes sense to some of his work. There's a depth and a passion to love and romance and... I feel like that some of that was kind of actually lived out in his life. Was she like the love of his life? I don't know if I want to answer it that way. But on a soul level, I would say that there's some very deep connection and stuff that they were working through. So, you know, whether that's soulmate, twin flames, karmic, whatever it is, there's 
there's something there that there's this very strong pull that draws them together and I feel it in the chest. But this whole time, he seems quite calm and she's the one who's feeling it all. Um, just so for some validation, if you want any validation, mm -hmm. my near-death experience friend asked about Shakespeare up there when she was on the other side and you're correct to the point that he was kind of rational, he was he was calm, he had his head put together pretty well, his head on his shoulders, I should say, and uh, she, he didn't like her, according mm -hmm. to, she, she was a very difficulty in his life, hence another reason why he was private, so, and kind of kept away, so. Thank you. I could see how, I mean, it's a typical thing when men are like, that woman's crazy. I'm like, yeah, but you're making her crazy. Mm. So I could see if he's detached and he just wants his own space. And she's like, hey, like, it's frustrating her more and more. Yeah. I feel that she doesn't get a reaction or a response from him. So it makes her blow up even more. <clears throat> and then that's where he locks himself away. There's also typical pattern. <laughs> yeah. Men go in their cave and women are like, what are you doing? Um, there's speculation around. Him, when he was 18, he had his first child, and she's 26. And there's speculation around her, because at that age, they're considered witches. Because if they're not married yet at age 26 during that time, it's pretty bad on society, they believed. And they think that she seduced him, kind of tricked him, according to these documentary, this documentary I watched. Was he famous at this point? No. He had not written it. He was anything. 18. Yeah. And she was 26. Just trying to see if there would be an agenda there or something. But, okay. So was she trying to, what was the word you Seduce used? Seduce him. Seduce him. Okay. Oh, I was just thinking we could call her in. There's something, though, that I, I don't really trust her. There is, uh, I would say, a slight darkness to her. Um... What is that? Okay, the phrase coming to me is the, the her accusations are unfounded. So I don't feel that it was just Shakespeare driving her crazy or, or doing anything to make her like that. I think actually she was already like that. Again, he is so calm. Wait, how are you doing this? Why Why would you be with her then? Feels like she has a bit of a vortex that kind of just sucks people in. Uh, almost like a tornado that comes through and just destroys things or, you know, picks it up and chucks it somewhere else. Still confused why he managed or how he managed to get in that though, so I'm, I'm going to try and get clear on that. Something about family, his family's coming in. I feel like there could be a point where Shakespeare kind of breaks away from his family or. I, I don't think his family likes her. There's just a, a, there's a slight confusion there. I'm seeing like two parents and, and the two of them, Anne and William. But it just feels confusing. It doesn't make sense. I feel like there could be lies involved. Definitely don't feel like there's some grand romantic meeting. Why did he marry her? Seems like the right thing to do. She does feel like quite a powerful woman. 
she has a magnetism, but I don't think it's from a pure place. And he was younger. So in a way, maybe she did seduce him. Yeah. If his family had some wealth, that would make sense. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. She gave birth six months after they were married. So the right thing to do... Was to marry. A big kerfuffle. Lies. In the family, like, ah, how do we handle this? Yeah. And then they lived together with their parents, with Shakespeare's parents. Okay. And how was that time? Because <clears throat> right before that is the lost years. His teenage years, you mean? He has lost years from 13 to 18, but he's also got, has lost years during the time that he's with his, living with his parents because he moved, well, well, he moved to London in, it's right here, 1592. But from 1585 to 1592, while he's living with his parents, there's no, anything, nothing's written about him. Okay. My immediate sense is that it's not a very nice time. I'm actually feeling like there's some kind of violence. Um within the home but it feels like the tension is more between the parents and Anne every situation William feels removed slightly he's like in his own bubble of energy yeah but then I'm like how do your parents let you get away with that I think to them he feels a bit more like a golden boy or could do no wrong and she's the evil which who's come in and stolen their child and ruined his life. Was he uh, somebody who was just always in his own world? That's a good question. Yeah. Having so many characters and things, was that a way for him to escape what was really going on? Because I can't understand how someone can go through all of this and just remain so stoic. Just kind of feels like he had other priorities or his focus was elsewhere. Didn't want to be sucked into the drama. Sounds like maybe he had a higher level of awareness. Yeah. From which what, is like how yeah. you stay out of drama, right? If you're like, oh. From what I've observed from his writing, because I'm a writer as well, and um, he's got a level of depth in the human emotion and the human... Um, well, did he spend a lot of his time observing humans? Because it seemed like you would almost need to be like a psychologist, just standing there watching people, family, neighbors, whatever, and trying to see how they ticked. I am getting a sense that the people or the characters in his work, some of them at least were based off people he knew and that were close to him. I don't know it well enough to make any suggestions of who would be who. But it's almost like he's watching a performance play out in front of him. So he's watching the conflict between his parents and his wife and he's just kind of looking like, ah, oh, this person has this role and this one has this one. He doesn't feel absorbed by it. It's like it's life is just a, the play. Sounds like he's a bit quite different than other people. Is there a reason for that? I'd say he feels like quite a highly intelligent being. So maybe at that point he was quite an evolved soul or was from another dimension or just has some kind of origin elsewhere or has lived on other planets. But then my question is like, why would you choose such a, a life or be attracted to such a life that, well, to learn lessons? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that but, what you said? Well, it's just, 
instant, like, makes sense. Because most art comes from pain and depth. And if he was meant to be a, a playwright in this life, an, an author or poet, whatever, he wouldn't have been able to just come in if he didn't, and do that if he didn't understand the human experience. But he was able to do it in such a way that he just watched and observed everything. And there wasn't much of him getting swept up in the emotional pain. So he's, he's having this experience in the form of William Shakespeare. And that human body is going through all this stuff and has all these life experiences. But there's another part of him that's the observer. And he doesn't drown in the fact that he's William Shakespeare and that was his life. Hmm. Interesting. I have this question that just came up and don't know how you'd like me asking this because it gives away some things, but I just experienced while you were talking there, uh, sometimes I have psychic intuitions as well, and I just had an experience of his child dying at a young age, and um, I think he had three children, right? And one of his children did die at a young age, but dying almost homesick for his her father and that she loved his father he. he he sorry he had three kids the daughter that was born just after they were married and then a boy and a girl okay. twins and the boy died huh feels very feminine but anyway um died with the almost like he never got to really know his father and he, he felt like he was a disappointment to his father. Is there any truth to that? How old was the boy when he was 11? Oh. I'm just tuning into his kids and I'm just going to say whatever comes up and hopefully we get to the answer, but I just feel like I need to build that connection with that part of his life. First thing that's coming to me is that his eldest daughter feels very beautiful. There's something about her that feels like very womanly and um, I think she takes a lot after her mother. The other daughter feels a bit more reserved, the younger one. I'd say she takes more after her father. Do you know the children's names? Don't tell me. But... Yeah. Is anyone in the family called Thomas? Um, perhaps the second daughter's husband. Okay. I didn't write that down. I could check after, but that I name is coming to me. Maybe we should look it up at the father if you named Thomas. Oh, yeah. why? It doesn't, it doesn't matter for the name. It's just it's coming to me, so I thought I'd say and check if it's relevant. Um, I do, if I look at, like, the family tree or I have the, the people there in front of me, I do see some sweet connections between certain members. It doesn't feel like a completely cohesive family. It feels like, especially the children, each of them kind of have their person. Do we know if the mother and the eldest daughter were really close? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. There's something about them that feels like quite a unit. I don't know if that leads to anything good. And then that younger daughter. I want to say there's something, there's a connection between her and her grandfather, so William's dad. If they were alive at the same time, I don't know. But um, there's something there that were, feels yeah. quite sweet. And then the boy. What was his name? Hamnet. Never would have said that. Didn't even know that existed. Hamnet? <laughs> yeah. Hamnet. Like Hamlet, but with an N instead oh. of an L. What were the other children's names? Susanna. 
Oh. And don't forget the second one. Hamnet. Okay. How, what is Hamnet's life like? There's not. I, I'm not receiving much. Maybe it will come, but I understand why Brandon. You would say it feels like a feminine energy because it feels like there's so much feminine energy around that he's kind of raised in that, and he doesn't feel like a feisty, strong boy. He feels quite timid and what someone would call weak. Mm. Was his father not around? His father definitely wasn't a good masculine role model. He just feels a bit lost and lonely, this boy. Like, it's just surrounded by women and he's kind of just... He feels very small compared to the rest of them. So he feels a bit isolated. And he doesn't really know his place. Like, do I exist? What's the point of me being here? No. Do you know how he died? No, do you? Oh, okay, let's find out. Because I just got the feeling of like, what's the point of me being here? Did he actually choose to die? I mean, I know. Oh, okay. Was it an illness? Like he was something that would have kept him kind of unwell for a while? Um, not too long. Okay, I'm just wondering <laughs> if that plays into the weakness he's feeling. Um, if he feels left out because like, well, he's sick and he can't yeah, get involved. Bad, no. Okay. I do feel sad for him. I want to see how Shakespeare feels about his son dying. Just said something like, you'll find it in my pages. Because I thought, there's this technique where I can like imagine mm -hmm. stepping into the shoes of the dead person so I can feel them more. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to put my hands on a book of his this, yeah. to connect to him. Oh, like something Shakespeare wrote? Or just in my mind, I'm like, let me oh. place energetic hands on his work because there I feel more connected to him than imagining myself step in his shoes or put on a, his clothes it's just so I can connect better with him and get more information but what did I even just say he said um you'll find it in my pages okay you'll find it in my pages is how he is how he felt about his son's death like he wrote about it in the yeah, play that's that's what it's true okay which play I believe it's Hamlet oh okay. makes sense Okay, and now he's saying, because earlier it was like, he doesn't feel the pain of humans, but it's not that he doesn't, like it, it, he's not immune to it. He is human, but he's able to just channel it in such a way that it doesn't ruin his life. Whereas his wife just feels very hysterical. Again, that tornado energy of, oh, it's the end of the world. I mean, it's terrible that your child dies, but she can't quite cope. But for him, it's just fuel to work more, write more, create. When he, um, so he, was it hard for him? Because in 1592, he moved to London by himself to an apartment. Was that difficult for him to leave his children? I don't think it was difficult for him to leave his wife. How old would his eldest have been by then? When was she born? I think 13. Okay. No, wait. 10, I think. He was 28 years old. His eldest was born when he was 18. Yeah. Okay. Um, kind of just feels like the next stage of his mission, like he has to go. What propels him to go? I feel like his family might have connections to people. Was he already writing at this stage? I believe so. Yeah. 
Because I think he first went in and became an actor. He feels quite well supported by his parents. Yeah, I would think so. That it just, he's not bound to his family. It's not like, oh, you've got kids now, so you can't have your life. You have to stay. He still continues on his path. And the granddaughters and the and the wife stay. Do they keep living with his parents this mm-hmm. whole time? Yeah. He feels, I think he feels glad to be out of there, though. I feel like relief. Did he really love acting? Like he's saying, it's not the same as being the creator of the story. There's some joy in it, but it's not the same as being the one who gets to create and direct. Because um, if you're the actor, someone's told you who you're meant to be. He wants to be the one to like, move the chess pieces. So is acting then more just kind of a necessity because he understands the role and there's nobody else to do it, so he does it for those reasons, so that the whole thing can be brought to light? So he's acting his own stuff. He says there's something poetic about it. I don't feel like he needed to. It's not a necessity. But there's something poetic about playing out your own words and your own stories. Maybe there's something cathartic, therapeutic about... It's like he he comes to know those characters so well because he wrote everything. And then he gets to be them for a bit. And it feels like it anchors in even more the story he was trying to tell for himself, though. Were some of these people that he was anchoring in past lives of his? Potentially, but I don't know if he knew that. I don't know if he would have said, like, oh, when I wrote this, it was about this life that I had. Just came to him. That's kind of cool. That makes sense. Something that happened during his time in London was that there was the bubonic plague. Oh, gosh. And I'd be curious to see what his thoughts were on, like, living through that time. Hence what? That's what took his... Oh, really? Yeah. The plague. I remember learning about that. Um, It reminds me... Instantly, COVID came to my mind, of course. The plague. And it does feel like things kind of shut down. And there's this fear that kind of sweeps through London. Shakespeare himself doesn't necessarily feel scared. He's, again, quite stoic and calm. But it does feel like things have to pause. I mean, he's in the theatre business, so that, yeah, it shut down. But I also wonder just what it was like with that many people dying all around you. And just, you know, that's kind of a big deal. Like, we'll remember this time for the rest of our lives, what happened during COVID. Mm. And that nobody was really, well, I shouldn't say that, but it was... I don't think as high a death toll as the plague was. It just feels strange. I don't know if it's my association with the word plague. I just think of like a green fog going across London, which energetically it probably was. It was mostly, um, and I could be wrong, but I believe the bubonic plague was mostly killing children. Really? That's what I, I thought. I can't remember. I haven't learned about that. I thought it was indiscriminate. Because I know that many, like, all the businesses collapsed and stuff, like in other parts of Europe, because that was, like, the earlier one in the 1300s, I think, right? Where they, it was, like, 75% of people died or something. I don't think it was. So I'm not sure about this one. 
actually. I don't know about this particular outbreak. I think but it lasted like eight years or something, seven years. So he felt it was strange, but it wasn't like this whole big deal. He wasn't like scared and like, what's going to happen now? <clears throat> well, he feels quite used to being on his own. And he likes to be on his own. So I don't feel like it was really hard for him to keep to himself and keep his head down. and Maybe even time to just do more work and more writing. But I do feel a slight pull towards home. I, I, you know, I wonder what happened with his kid and whether he went home or not. But it feels like that decision of like which side do I stay on and when do I go back? Can I? Should I? Is it safer to stay? So I do feel it tugging at his heart. He's not like, oh, my son died of the plague. I don't care. So his first two plays were King Henry the Sixth and King Richard the Third. And those are pretty much biographies. What drew him to that, to biographies and those kings? Don't know why this phrase is coming to me, but I'm hearing monsters made of men. Were they horrible people? Well, I don't that, know, actually. <laughs> that's interesting because I wanted to do a podcast on Richard III because he was very much vilified as a result of Shakespeare's play. But then now like the revisionists out there are saying that he was actually a really good guy. But he was kind of painted black for many centuries okay. because of Shakespeare. So what was, caused him to have that belief about Richard III? What's the time difference in period? Though? I was just wondering. I don't know. <laughs> was, was he the lion? Was King Richard? No, that's Richard II. Okay. Richard um, III, is he the one who was found in the car park, buried? Yes, I think so. Like however many years ago his remains were found buried. Oh, I was like, they, had car, they didn't have cars back then. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I think um, because his nephews died, so King Henry the or Edward the Seventh, I think, was his brother, and he had these two sons, and they disappeared under his care, and I think they were found in the Tower of London, buried in the walls. Oh my God! Um, and so a lot of people <laughs> think that he did that, but then if you, there's a lot of fair amount of documentation at the time, and I think. The consensus now is that he really loved those kids and, and wouldn't have, but was sort of framed as how he'd done it. We should do that for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> we should. But I think, I mean, he his mother was Queen Eleanor. So when was that? That was earlier. So he wouldn't have been alive no. when Richard III was. So King Richard no. II was during the Crusades. Was that? Oh, it doesn't really matter. Okay. Let, okay. let me just see why he thinks uh, monsters made of men. Feels like a child who would have uh, read a lot or learnt a lot or just he was well educated. It feels like so it could have just been that that's how he was painted at the time, or Shakespeare found something and just kind of ran with it. Did he? Okay. Did you mean to <laughs> make it that bad? Feels like there's something in Shakespeare that gets like a kick out of the darkness and the just having something be quite intense. And why not use a, a king? Makes good drama. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it was all true. Creative license. Mm -hmm. It's not a historian. No. But it feels like he's inspired by the past and stories, whether that's past lives or just history he knows about from his current life. They influence him. Well, on that note, what was his relationship like with Queen Elizabeth I? 
were they besties? Did he ever write about her? I don't feel like he did. No, not a play about her or anything. No. Whether she inspires him characters, I don't know. I just got this feeling of like, God, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to her. Like what he did to Richard III. I don't think he would have directly done that to anyone who was alive, actually. So even if he was writing about his wife or someone else who was around at the time, he wouldn't have been so direct. He would have been discreet that it was about them. I'd say I'd, I sense quite a fondness of Elizabeth. Something about her that feels regal to him. I mean, she's the queen. But it's like this golden, it was like a golden age. Or I think he likes her because she's different and it's a woman. I think he appreciates people who go against the grain. And I mean, there's so much history on her as well and her choices with romantic partners and being the Virgin Queen, but um, it feels like there's a part of him that knows that they could just be rumours and might not be true, but he kind of likes the image she's given herself and isn't just playing ball like she should. And um, He keeps wanting to talk about chess pieces, or that's the analogy he's giving me of like, kings and queens are kind of pawns in a greater game of chess and you know she could have made the right move to marry the the king of spain or whoever but she didn't like she was more in control of the game rather than just being a chess piece and he admired that he said it sounded very shakespearean <laughs> i remember that from some of his plays isn't he say so have some line about that and they're all just chess pieces really or is that Moliere? I'm not sure. But um, And then what were his thoughts about her successor, King James? Feels like he's really just through his life observing the changing of the tides. So many big shifts throughout his lifetime. Something about King James feels a bit softer than those that came before. He doesn't feel as convinced by him, but I think it takes time for people to make their mark and someone to form an opinion on them. But I don't feel that he respects him as much as he respected Elizabeth. Did he spend a lot of time with Elizabeth, like one-on-one, -on -one, or was it just, you know, court? I feel and see there could have been a time where they would have, like, walked around a garden together or something. Um, but I don't feel like they spent a lot of time together. It's just like, uh, I don't know what the correct phrase is, but... An audience? Yes, an audience with the Queen. That's it. Yeah, it feels like there's a... She probably, well, she would have invited him because she's intrigued as well. But I don't sense that there's some, like an ongoing relationship necessarily. Like She may have gone to watch his shows and stuff too or read his plays, but I think she was just intrigued to meet the man behind the work. That just dawned on me because that movie Shakespeare in Love I think shows Elizabeth at, at, the, at his plays, right? And I've she, never seen it. But then, I mean, the whole thing is that he's in love with this woman. So who's this woman in Shakespeare in love? Yeah, did he have affairs? Because he was a, he was away from home for quite a bit. Yes, that's a yes. <laughs> well, my face is yes. a yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just check what he's saying. Um, it's kind of like I don't want to paint him. As, it sounds terrible if someone has affairs. Like, it's just not... It's frowned upon. But something about it feels normal like well what do you expect me to do you know i'm he's married but he's not really married it feels like there's definitely a phase in his life where he gets to dip more into pleasure 
because he's away from the drama and the stuff at home, he kind of gets to immerse himself, I'd say, in, like, the London art scene um, where people are more expressive and, and open with their sexuality. He's more indulgent. Yes, that's a good word. So I can see multiple scenarios where he would have been with other men or women or groups of people. Um, and that feels like it would fuel some of his... It's like he needed to have these different experiences and experience different emotions to be able to write about certain things. That he needed to have different experiences to be able to write about them, which makes sense. Yeah, like he had to go through different phases in his life to be able to, yeah, to write about it. And there's something about this time that I don't know if he expressed this stuff in his work, but I have a feeling he would have just more loving, passionate writings because I don't think he could write that about his wife. Yeah, because you need that experience to really yeah. know. So it, it's almost like he took on roles in his life to become different characters so he could write about them. Fascinating. Uh, well, at the beginning of... When he first started writing, I think he wrote kind of comedic, light-hearted stuff. He kind of had that throughout his... But then he also sort of, I think, moved more towards like tragedies and more heavy. Is there a reason for that? Um, well, did that move with the timeline of the tragedy I wonder, of his with life? the sun and then the plague and... Yeah, it just... Yeah, that's kind of what I see as yeah. being logical. I also just want to comment that that indulgent version of him, he feels way more alive than any point I've experienced him in this reading. So just a different, he's kind of a shapeshifter, like he can mold to different situations, but it wasn't safe for him to open in his home situation. So he, he stayed very closed, but then he gets to leave and just experience a different life. It, during that time, was there any like particular person that was really close to him on a romantic level? I don't feel that that would have been his priority, like finding a new wife or having a long-term partner. But I do have this feeling there's a woman he's very fond of, but he's not exclusively with her. Like, I feel like he's still allowed to go and be with other people. But there's someone he has a deep connection to that... I feel gives him that warmth and almost motherly love that he would have needed as well. That's nice. What were you going to ask? Oh, I was just going to say he had the ability to kind of mix a lot of the comedy, tragedy, romance in all of, not all, but a lot of his plays. Um, that's all I was going to say. But when he was 33, he bought his first home. So he brought his family to live there with him. And this was shortly after his child died. Is that the reason why he brought them there? Is that the reason why he bought his house? Why am I hearing again the right thing to do? Um, oh. He does have a moral compass, you know. It's not like, I'm free of them and I get to have sex with whoever now and do what I want and do my work. He is always still connected to them and thinking about them. And I feel like he's also very fond of his parents. So he doesn't want to... He wants, to, he wants to keep a connection as well. So yeah, probably it does kind of feel like circumstance of why they would come. But I feel like he would have still kept his individuality and he's, he feels like stronger in himself now um, and would put up with less shit from his wife. 
So how was that, having them be in London? feels like his time away from them was almost like him going away to university or becoming himself, like becoming a man, finding himself. And now they come back, he gets to, to integrate that a bit, but I'm wondering if their relationship would actually have been better at this point. Because he is more alive, and she's like, oh, there is a person in there. <laughs> I don't think he suddenly becomes a family man, though. But maybe it's an easier coexistence than yeah. it was before? Yeah, I think so. I have a question about his private views on religion. What's he telling you about that? Um, so, like, in a way, it's kind of ingrained in him, like he would have been raised in some type of religion but he doesn't feel bound by it, or, I don't know actually, I was going to say I don't feel like he's devout anything, but it does feel like there's a sense of having faith in something, like I could imagine and see him when his son dies, like praying, or... Is he more Catholic or Protestant? I feel like I should trust myself, because one of the phrases that came to me was like, devout Catholic. Well, I think there's controversy about it because I think his father was Catholic, but of course Elizabeth the first was Protestant. Protestant yeah. But then I think her successor James, if he's Scottish, isn't he Scottish? I think so. Would be Catholic, maybe. So I mean, I think there's just like people. It's a strange they don't time, know. yeah. Where obviously the Protestant thing started with Henry the Eighth, right? Yeah. And so. You know, not everyone is probably completely transitioned, so there's, there is a divide. But that's interesting if he said devout Catholic. But I don't know if I believe that. I mean, that makes sense, though, because that's what he might have been raised in. Okay. Yeah, he also, there's another speculation about him helping King James write the Bible. Because King James has a version as well. And when King James wrote the Bible, Shakespeare is 46 years old. And if you look at the 46 Psalms, have you heard about this? No. I'll I'll read this out loud. It's pretty interesting. Psalm 46. If you count out 46 words from the beginning of the verse, you find the word shape. And if you count 46 words backwards, you you find the word spear, Shakespeare. And there's been reports of Shakespeare helping King James, along with a couple other people, writing the Bible. But it's not... We don't really know if he did. Okay. So did he? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just go with that he is a devout Catholic. Then, wait, is James Catholic or not? Are we deciding. Not sure. Um, I think he was Catholic. Oh yeah, just look it up. <laughs> is this what James the Yeah, King James the First. He was Catholic. His reign started in 1603. Just to make sure you have the right one. Protestant. Oh, he's Protestant too. You make more sense of the Bible in writing, you write the Bible. No. Oh, James II converted to Catholicism. What What year was King James I when he took over? 1603. So that's King James I? That's James okay. That's when Elizabeth died, so... Okay. So, it says, James I exercised a degree of religious tolerance until the gunpowder plot of 1605, after which he reinforced strict penalties on Roman Catholics. But he later returned to a tolerant approach to religious conformity. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I guess the question is, did he was, yeah, he, involved was he involved in writing the King James Version of the Bible? 
like they definitely could have been. Try not to go too much into my mind now and make mm. sense of all the religious stuff. Because I'm thinking, well, he was fond of Elizabeth, but if he was devout Catholic, would he be? I don't know. I don't I think don't, he cared that deeply. I don't, I don't think so either. It's like it was ingrained in him because it's how he's raised, but he's not. His life isn't about religion and what's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just about life. I can see how you wouldn't want to give up the religion that he grew up with, but it's mm. not like he cared all that much. No, or he's against someone believing yeah. in something else. It's more about the life they lead that he cares about. So I feel like he would have been open to helping James write that. And also, if the king asks you to do something, can you say no? Then he probably would be a Catholic traitor. <laughs> what did he look like? Like, what, how does he show up to you? That's a hard one, because I have an image of what he looks like in pictures and paintings. Okay, so you could ask him, is that what he looked like? Yeah. Is that a true likeness of him? The famous portrait that's painted. Feels like at some point, at least, he would have actually had more hair. Like, a, it would have been, like, bigger or bushier or just more, there's more to it. But I would say he was, like, a slender man. Average height. And maybe even appeared a bit taller because he was slim. Well-dressed. I feel like he kind of had his own style. Yeah, would have wanted to have been a little bit different. And perhaps even would have taken influence from, like, French, French. fashion or, yeah. yeah. Did anybody help him write his plays? My question there was, like, living people or dead people, do you mean? Living people at the time he was alive. I feel like there, there will have been a, a community of writers in London that he was happy to be a part of, but he still, again, feels like his own his own person. He doesn't really need anyone. And all those works that have been attributed to him, did he actually write all those plays? Saying, believe me, I did. And I mean, to me, it just seems... I read those, and I think it's just impossible. How can you put so much meaning and have it rhyme? Like, it just, to me, is, like, very, very impressive what he's able to do. Does he feel like it was kind of a channeled thing? Like, it was just, he doesn't know how he did it, he just did it, and it came through him? Or does it something that he felt he worked hard to craft and, and figure out how to write in this way? Well, if he is a devout Catholic, I, I don't feel that... I, I don't sense he has this belief in, like, divine intervention or... Archangel Michael told me in the night to write this. It doesn't feel like that. If there is something guiding him, which I think when you are a writer, inspiration has to come from somewhere. Like, sometimes I'm driving on my bike and a poem comes to me. Like, it just, it drops in. You don't know what from where. And I think he probably had that too. Now that he's in the afterlife, can you tell us? He's saying... People will support you to fulfill the role that you have. So, like, spirit will support you mm-hmm. to fulfill your role in this life. So he, there was some inspiration from... So, in a sense, he didn't write it all on his own because yeah. he had a whole team of people. Guides. Yeah. yeah. He was open enough to be able to I let it totally through. I would think he'd be really open. But, <laughs> but I don't feel that it was conscious. I don't feel like it yeah, was... Yeah, I don't think he knew. This guide is talking to me. It's more... He just... Is open to inspiration. Mm-hmm. And he's not stuck in the mind because if you're in the mind, you can't. It can't come through you. Does he know how much he changed writing or influenced the future of writing? 
now, just learning yeah. any English language. You say that wasn't his aim, but then I'm like, what was your aim with your writing then? What? Why do you have that purpose in this life? Kind of feels like showing what an influence writers can have, especially at that time, and that those works it, it, it then becomes art. It was art from the beginning, but and they're there for life. So he kind of wanted a legacy. Again, not consciously, mm. but it's like him seeing that now. The people that are souls that are meant to have some kind of influence over a longer period of time, you know, they're not just like a, a person who comes in and... I know what you mean, just like it impacts the people around them. Yeah, like an instant impact. It's not about that. It's a, yeah, it is a legacy. He, his role was the longevity of his influence, whereas some people it's just, oh, that man that blew up that thing. I mean, that does have an impact, yeah. but it's not... I know what you mean. I can't, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's not like art that sits on the wall for thousands of years and people are still looking at it, like, wondering what it means or it's giving people a, a feeling. It transcends. Yeah. But and I'm now questioning how relevant is his work now. It's more just an inspiration. I don't know, but it's quite deep, you know, and I think the fact that... But I also think it's funny, like, how much we take apart every line, which probably is, like, reading it way more into it than was ever intended to be read into it. Yeah. Um, but it's still an interesting exercise, and it still gives us respect for, you know, the craft of someone who's able to do that. And I, I don't know, I, I do feel like our society moves away a little bit from sort of true homegrown craftsmanship. That, that it's actually a, a cool thing to still have around and that we can, everybody respects what he was able to do. Mm -hmm. and I think somehow that influences young people in some way I don't know yeah it's always made me laugh that we my whole studying of English in school is picking apart poems and stories why? because I notice if I post something of my work that's a poem people will comment and, and I'll think that wasn't what I meant you read exactly what you want to read from someone's piece of work, the bit that you need to see, and you could read it again 10 years later and read something different, depending on where you're at in your life. It's like, you'll see it through the lens that you have at that moment. Will we ever actually know what he meant? We won't. We'll just have to do 100 sessions like this yeah. to go through <laughs> and find out. Yeah. <laughs> Was he proud of his work during his own lifetime? Did he realize, like how what a feat it was there's something about him being proud of the globe and how i think his presence in london changed things in that scene it feels like in his lifetime art became more of a thing mm -hmm. yeah more respected and i guess if the queen likes it then everyone's gonna like it you mentioned the globe during one of the plays Towards the end of his life, um, they set off some cannons that actually burned down the I was just globe. thinking that. Um, yeah, they burned down. And there's two different things I've seen. Some people said he retired before that happened, and some people said he retired because of that happened. Before. He retired before, and then it burnt down. Yeah. That must have been rather disappointing for him to hear about. Yes and no. Kind of, because... Obviously, it's sad that there's a history there and that was his life. 
but also feels kind of poetic or times are changing and he'd already removed himself from that. How did he die? Do we not know? Uh, it's not clear. Okay. He wasn't that old, was he? But I mean, he's probably 52. old for the time. Average for the time. Some kind of flu or illness like that? Yeah, they're thinking it's something like that. I'm seeing him like sweating and laying in a bed. They even think that he knew he was going to die before. What was it? There was the last... He signed his will and testament one month before, and in it he said that he was in perfect health. Yeah. And then he died a month later. There was a play that he wrote that they said was last play, and he knew he was dying. I could be wrong. I don't know where I got that. I think it came on suddenly because someone else, um, there's an account of someone saying, oh yeah, then... Shakespeare and so and so and so and so, like named three other people, were out one night, and I think they had too rough of a time of it because then Will got sick and succumbed shortly after. I'm hearing it as a fever that takes him, so like a quick. Yeah, so I think he's like out at the bar one night, and um, because those people that the guy mentioned, like, were all his acquaintances, and uh, so they think that maybe that that is just what happened. Oh, rather than someone poisoned him. Or... Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody poisoned him. But... No. Just as far as just having some clarity around it, that yeah, he just got sick with something, and he was fifty-two, yeah. and it just took him. Yeah, it doesn't feel like an accident or anything to do with like the bones or the that part of the physical body. I just see him draining away, mm. and then slipping. How does he feel about that life? Does he have any regrets or anything he's really proud of? He's saying it was a bit of a weird one. Because it feels like he lived so many lives during that one life. <laughs> some for five minutes, some for five years. And then there's a the whole common thread of the shell of Shakespeare, who he was his whole life. But within that, there's just so many different little moments, like larger ones, smaller ones of different lives. So it's a little bit confusing for him. It was a big life because of that. Like you could look at it simply and just say, there's a man who had a family and then got married and then had kids and then had a, a job. But deeper than that, he lived his work, which meant there were a lot more lives and there was a lot more going on. A lot to contend with. Well, sounds like a really fascinating person. I would have liked to have met him at a cocktail party. Yeah. Does he have anything to leave with us? Yeah, I just want to get a sense of something. If like there's something he probably wants to say just about how he feels now. I mean, compared to the beginning when I couldn't even see him, now I feel like he's here. He feels a very strong presence. Um, I feel like I'm more with his soul now. He feels very anchored. It's quite a nice energy to be around, actually. Mm. Just like really feeling it in my spine. Oh, I like him. What is it? <laughs> I feel like he's putting his hand on my back and be like, oh, I'll help you with writing as well. <gasps> yeah. I feel like anyone could honestly just ask him come in. I feel like he can kind of see my struggle of wanting to write a book and not doing it. <laughs> and just feeling him there like, yeah, we've got this. That's beautiful. And would encourage people to keep writing. You too, Brandon. Yeah, don't let that be a dying art. Do <laughs> yeah, does he have any advice for Brandon? I feel like he's saying there's something you're missing. Like, there's a whole other area of writing you could tap into and something about like branching out on your own more I don't know if that would make sense to you but 
because um, it feels like you've got a giant catalogue of all this stuff, but there's like a whole other section that's like untapped. I think I'm going to it next. Yeah, it would be more about you and what you really want to do rather than what you should do. You think you should do. And what about Sayo's book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about my book? He's like, yeah, I'll leave it. <laughs> Don't find it. Um, it just feels like the message for anyone and everyone is that writing is so powerful and important that if you feel called to do it, just do it. It doesn't need to become some bestseller or be anything in particular. It's just like, do it. That's why I wrote that book because yeah. I just felt like I just want to get this out. And then it's out and I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. I don't need it to be anything more than that. Okay, any final words from you, Shakespeare? Oh, I just feel like he's a really great guy. I really influential even in the spirit world like not just in this life he feels like he's very caring and very supportive and that in the spirit world maybe this is partly his role now is to like mold young minds or um, young souls just like we would call on jesus for some kind of support it's like there are so many people from history like they don't have to be ascended masters or religious figures like Anyone who inspired you, like Elvis, call on Elvis to help you write a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want to help. I've read that a lot, that that you're supposed to do that. Whenever it's like you want to learn a new skill, you just ask for help to yeah. learn that new skill, and then people will come and help you. Mm-hmm. Um, we can wrap it up. But... Yeah. Thank you so much, Shakespeare. Thanks, Shakespeare. Yeah, thank you. It was such an honor, I feel. Yeah, it really was. Um, I really enjoyed that one. How about you? Yeah. Uh, Anything you want to say about it? No. (laughs) Anything you want to say about it? I just love that we know nothing about his character other than what he's written out, which obviously was, you know, how much of that's him versus, you know, how he imagines somebody's life to be. So I, I really enjoyed your interpretation of his character and what he was like as a person. I think that's super interesting. He does feel different, though, from... His soul version to like how he was showing me himself in that life. I think he, there's a certain amount of him that needed to be removed, but he, energet, like yeah, energetically he feels like a great, great person. I think it shed some interesting light on what we know of his life. So, <laughs> thank you everybody for listening. Please share our work wherever you can, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Enjoy. Bye.